Hey everybody, welcome to episode 166 of the Masterclass Podcast. My name is Cam Brennan, his name is Dave Hogue, and uh, I think we're both happy to be here. Yeah, very much so. I think after this many episodes I can speak for you, Dave. I'm just going to assume that you're happy to see me. <laughs> this is true, I am happy to see you. All right, off to a good start. I am doing all right. I did some quick yard work after work work today. Trying to get this uh, this new house under control, man. There was like eight foot tall weeds. I don't know if I told you that. Yes. Yeah. So I, I got all of that taken care of, and now it's all just like the weed and feed on the lawn and like taking care of like the sidewalk cracks and the porch cracks and like getting all of that pushed back. And they need to know there's a new sheriff in town, Dave. <laughs> I won't abide them trying to take over everything. Not that I really care that much about yard work or lawn work and like, you know, having a pristine like world cup soccer pitch for a lawn. Like I don't care that much, but weeds are ugly and I can't abide ugly. I just don't do it. So (laughs) I'm, I'm doing my part. Um, and one too, because the church owns the house, um, that I want to give back to them for letting me live here, you know? So, and not just be like someone who's like, Oh, the faucet broke. Landlord will fix it. Oh, this broke. Oh, the landlord will come home. No, the landlord's the pastor of the church. He's busy enough. He's got four <laughs> kids and a full-time job. He's got his own house to worry about. So I'm trying to spruce the place up a bit um, as a thank you. Um, and so part of that is just getting the, the lawn under control and trying to do that. So I don't know. It's a, I'm someone who's motivated extrinsically. Does that make sense? Like self-motivation has never really been a strong suit, (laughs) but like being like a good teammate is like where I get all my motivation from, Um, which explains a lot, I think, about my life and (laughs) why I do things (laughs) and why I don't do things. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, uh, you know, do good by the church for letting me live here. So that's what I did after work today. And I went to Walmart, which is always an adventure. It is, especially these days. Well, and the amount of people that just don't wear masks in the store. It's, you have to here. Oh, you have to here too, but no one says anything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mandated. There's signs everywhere. They're counting people coming into and leaving stores. They're making only one entrance open, um, right. which I find odd. But they I'm just like, let so, you go in. Well, it makes it easier for them to count, but it's also right. like you're having literally every human being walk within the same 12 feet of each other. Right. Um, but yeah, the amount of people that, that don't wear masks and just like, and they're like, their kids don't have masks on. It just blows mm-hmm. my mind. I get it's not that much of an issue. Just wear it for the 30 minutes you're in the store. Right. It's not hard. Nope. It's not. My three-year-old <laughs> does it without complaining. Oh, Really? The first time she wore it, she didn't like it. And then after that, she got over it. And she's yeah. like, oh, do I need to wear my mask? Okay. And she puts it on herself. Nice. She's still in diapers or pull-ups. Sorry. <laughs> We're working on that too. But it's like, I don't know. I just, I just don't get it. I don't get it. Yes. But anyways, enough about that because I don't want to say generic things that are going to be regrettable. So we shall move on. Sounds good. Uh, I think we're going to continue on in James chapter five. 
Yes, this That's is the plan, true. At least we left off at verse six, so that means we're at verse seven. Yes. And the plan is to go through verse twelve, right? Correct. Cool. Will uh, Will you do the honors? I sure can. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I feel like we talk about patience a lot. On the show, Dave. <laughs> yes. I guess I never realized how frequent it comes up in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Be patient until the coming of the Lord. No one knows when that is. That's like the most open-ended "Be patient" statement of all time, right? This book was written 1,900 years ago. At least. Plus a little bit, maybe. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I don't know. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. That's a big ask. And there's a K at the end of that word. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I think I've said this before. It just seems like it has been a long time. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of noted in the Old Testament that there was kind of 400 years of silence. Um, Which seems like egregious, right? Right. No one lives that long. Right. Like, that's six generations of people. If we're looking at like 80 years a person. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what, you know, the exact lifespan was, but okay, your point's been made. Like, that's... That's generations upon generations of like, you probably don't even remember the people's names that were alive, even if your family kept good history. Your great, 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 great grandma who did this. Like, I just find it peculiar, you know? Yeah. And then just, um, so I'm reading through the Bible and it's on a two year pace. And I'm like 160 days in, and I'm still like in the first 10 ver- ten chapters of Deuteronomy. Oh, <laughs> so I haven't even mama. Kinda, <laughs> um, but it's just even in that of just the, the wandering in the desert, and that was 40 years. And, you know, they weren't going to get to enter into the promised land until um, uh, all, everybody had died out who basically you know, didn't mm-hmm. do what they were supposed to do. And even Moses didn't get to go um, into the promised land. And so um, 
Doesn't it seem a little unfair, though, that a god who exists outside of time wants us who only know time to be the patient ones? <laughs> mm. I mean, I, I'm thinking God still is incredibly patient. Like, he has to be. Right. Like, you've dealt with, you know, you have three kids. You know what it's like to have uh, an irate toddler that you sure. have to have patience with, or even a teenager. God's got billions of them to deal with. So I'm not saying he's not patient. I'm just saying the irony of the fact that we're within time and he's without of it is uh, it's pretty funny to me. Yeah. And so I think of things like 400 years and 40 years and that sort of thing, and I don't do well with one year at a time, a month at a time, you know. I'm not very patient, so... Yeah, me either. It's um, it's a character flaw. <laughs> I blame Amazon Prime. Well, that doesn't help either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get mad when my internet's like below 70 megabits a second, which is fast, right, for pretty much mm-hmm. everything. I'm like, if it's not triple digits, like, I'm, I'm just <laughs> offended, which is quite silly. But... So the point of the suffer of the patience, right? Be patient until the coming of the Lord. We're not supposed to be patient so we can, you know, deal with slower internet speeds. But he gives the example of the farmer. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. So we actually, I went, <clears throat> excuse me, I went and picked corn on Saturday with Kennedy, um, one of the families at our church. Um, they are corn farmers. And I've never been corn picking before. <laughs> you know, I've picked like apples and, you know, grapes in a winery and, you know, pears and blueberries and all that sort of stuff in Michigan. But I've never been corn farming before because growing up, I didn't, I didn't know any farmers. Like, I grew up in the first suburb north of Detroit. Like, I, that was just a, a foreign world to me. And... To, to think that this man, his entire family, everyone that he employs, and all of their families are solely dependent on their income for something they really can't control. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of us are because of the economy. We can't control the economy, right? But even in times like this, the economy still moves. It may move differently. It may be a little more volatile, depending, you know, especially on what area of uh, either investment or employment you have. But it's not, barring something like the Great Depression or a world war, the economy is really not going to go anywhere too crazy, right? Mm -hmm. If China invades or, you know, something more insane than what's going on now happens in the economy tanks. But even then we've bounced back from the great depression. We've bounced back from two world wars from Vietnam, from Korea, from, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. Persian Gulf, like all of that stuff. And the economy has come back. Now, does that mean it's a forever thing? No, because it's man-made. So eventually it will crumble. But my point is, I was out there picking corn and I was literally holding in my hands the fruit of his patience and his trust in dirt and water and seeds to do what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. We had the rainiest May in record since they've been keeping records of rain in Illinois. 
more rain fell in the month of May this year than ever before, which is not good for crops when they're that no. young. And he has a bounty. Oh, corn. really? Hundreds, if not thousands of acres. Like the, the, the amount of land that this farm has is staggering. Um, but the point is, it, it was really unique for me to think this one stock out of millions came from a seed that he or someone else on his staff planted months ago that survived mm -hmm. the rainiest May on record, that survived an incredibly hot July. All of these factors working against it, and literally the only thing he can do is, is like, you know, make sure the soil is in good shape, irrigate properly, plant appropriately, rotate his fields like he's supposed to. And even if you do all of that, you can still get not right. Or you could harvest it and then store it and then it gets wet and it all rots. Mm -hmm. And so like just the sheer amount of patience and um, I think just like the idea of like being hands-off. Like, I mean, very hands-on in the process to do everything you can, but in the end, results aren't really up yeah. to you mm -mm. like they are in other jobs where you have right. full control over certain things. Uh, and so it was just, it was a really interesting experience for me um, to be there. And we even talked about the parable of the sower while we were out there, which is a whole nother, you know, area we can go into <laughs> about spreading the gospel and, you know, doing the work and letting the results be up to God and being patient in that area. But just the, this concept of see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the, or like, I do my job up front and then I just have to wait mm -hmm. for the process to, to roll out. And I just, now that I know these people and, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not shocking to me that they're some of the most kind, generous, giving and caring people because of what they do. Yeah. Like you have to be that way. Otherwise you'd be super, super paranoid and I don't think you'd make it. <laughs> um, it just, yeah, it's, it's, it's opened. I think my, my understanding of a lot of these agricultural metaphors that Jesus uses throughout the gospels. Um, yeah, it's just really interesting to me now. I never would have thought about it that hard before because <laughs> farmers, huh? like, I, just, I had no context for what it actually was like. Yeah, very much so. And I'm sure there have been times where it's not just a bad month, but it's oh m bad seasons and multiple seasons. and Yeah, and, I, and they've told me stories about those. And it's like, oh, how do you, I like, yeah, the, the unpredictability is I don't think anything that my personality or constitution <laughs> is um, particularly geared for. Right. So he says, like the farmer, we are also to be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And I, I like the, the juxtaposition there. You also, like this farmer, be patient and establish your heart. So it's like, well, what do you do when you're just sitting there waiting and being patient? Well, you don't sit there and do nothing. You don't sit there and twiddle your thumbs and, you know, 
read Twitter <laughs> all day. It's like the, the parable of the talents comes to mind. Who does the master get mad at? The one who was given right. something and sat there and did nothing with it. Literally yeah. buried it in the ground and did nothing. But James is saying here, while you're being patient, you should establish your heart. And, and to me, that's like when we read about the heart in the Bible, it's not just all your, your emotional center. It's the very seat of your soul. So it's your intelligence. It's your, um, it's your logic. It's your emotion. It's, your, it's everything that makes you alive. And if we're going to establish that, I think it's pretty obvious what we're supposed to establish it upon, mm-hmm. which would be God's word. And so God has told us to be patient and to wait for him, but also what to build our lives on while we're waiting for him to come. And again, I just love how simply put James does. That's not even English. I like how James simply puts it. Yeah. Be patient like this farmer. Establish your hearts. God's coming. I appreciate the brevity. I still have this, like, the whole, the the coming of the Lord is at hand. I just, again, it's it's been 2,000 years. And what does that mean it's at hand? And I think the thing that I always just come back to is, is anytime somebody dies, the you know, that's, they're going to have to meet God. And so sometimes I just have, have kind of been, is this more about it's at hand when our life is over versus like the second coming that everybody is kind of waiting for? Because, you know, if you die tonight, you die tomorrow, your time is there. And it didn't really matter when the second coming, you know. So it's only a lifetime away, you know, it's never, it doesn't have to be 2000 years for each individual person. It's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever your time on earth is. Right. That's an interesting way to look at it. I had not considered that. You're right. No one's going to live 200 years, let alone 2000. But, and there still has to be the judgment day. That's still coming. Man, that's going to be a weird day. <laughs> and also, I feel like day is very loosely defined. I mean, God right. can do oh. whatever, you know, whatever he wants, right? But, well, that's not technically true. He can't sin. But, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Terrifies me. All right. Uh, do not grumble against one another, brothers so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Okay, so this is interesting. Grumble is such an interesting word choice here. Yeah. When's the last time you heard that in a sentence? (laughs) It's a little nicer than what I would say. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Same. But essentially, don't fight with each other, right? Right. So that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So, I mean, I think it's twofold, right? Don't be an idiot towards other people so that they won't judge you for your lack of whatever. Also, you probably shouldn't be judging other people for the same reasons. 
that's kind of in, inferred here, or mm-hmm. I'm inferring it. I think the author's implying it. Um, because the judge is standing at the door, like it's a reminder of what your job is and what your job is not. You are not the judge. He is. So if you can be patient and establish your heart on his word and you can treat other people with love and dignity, then you don't have to worry about, you know, other people are going to judge you, but that's, that's on them, right? That's not on us. It says, yeah, as an example, oh, sorry, go ahead. I no, cut you off. I just, again, it's, there's an awful lot of that going on these days, so mm-hmm. um, not very good at not doing that. Some people make it easy, and that's, even as that comes out of my mouth, that, that makes me want to, like, slap my own hand. Because <laughs> it's just because I find certain people to say and do very, very terrible things, claiming to be Christians, claiming the Bible as proof for why they could say or act or think those things. Even me saying they make it easy to judge them is a reflection of (laughs) my willingness to do so and my desire to do so, to make myself look and feel better. So I'm just as guilty. Right. And that's, even as it came out of my mouth, I was like, yeah, okay. (sighs) Gut check. (laughs) As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those, oh, this is where it gets really, (sighs) James. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. Like, he pulls Job here. Of all the people. <laughs> like yeah. his entire family got killed. All of his land and wealth and property destroyed. Like of all the people you're going to pull to say, be steadfast and patient like the prophets, you're going to pull Job. Mm-hmm. But just, well, and that's, uh, what was the, what's the book that, your Timothy, making sense of God. Mm-hmm. So I did start listening to that, and he's talking about the different arguments that people give for why they can't believe in God. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that, um, you know, something, essentially something bad happened, so therefore there can't, you know, a good God yeah. can't allow the bad things. And he just makes that point of just like, yeah, take you know, look at Job, and in essence, never once does he land. Does his conclusion become well? There can't be a God if all this terrible stuff is happening, and we've we've come to such a different place in our society today. Of, um, you know, it's like I have a right to not believe in God uh, because of bad things in the world, and um. Those are not mutually, you know, that's not the logical conclusion of bad things when you really look at people who are like Job and are really, you know, seeking him. It's a convenient, I, I would say it's a convenient out. It's, it's an argument based on the assumption that bad things shouldn't happen mm-hmm. and that if bad things do happen, there can't be somebody in charge. And it's like, like, what? Right. 
it it just it's it 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 sounds like a five-year-old's argument well daddy you're mean because you took away my bicycle (laughs) well you disobeyed here's the consequence that doesn't mean i don't love you doesn't mean that i mean it means that you're learning that there are consequences for your actions and people don't like consequences people especially nowadays where freedom reigns oh, i get yeah. to do and say whatever i want and you can't judge me for it as long as i'm not harming anyone which is another thing he talks about later on in the book right. it's like this idea well what's harm you have no basis for good and right yeah. or good and bad because Everything is individually discovered. Your moral compass is that which you have decided, not what society has told you. But we are unable to even discover ourselves because guess what? We didn't make ourselves. God made us. And so the only person that can truly tell us and reveal to us what our identity and purpose is is the person who created and designed us to begin with. But if we, ex- if we exclude all of society from informing us about what is right and wrong, and only we are allowed to decide what's right and wrong for ourselves, no wonder people are so messed up and make such silly decisions. <laughs> you make stupid choices in a vacuum. When you're the only voice of reason, guess what right. you're going to do? You're going to reason to make things better and easier for you at the, extent of, or at the expense of other people. And if I don't want consequences and I don't want pain, well, then God can exist because pain exists. And I've already decided in my childish brain that those two things are mutually exclusive. And it's, it's, I, the book is fascinating to me. Yeah. He says it in, in, in such clearer, more cogent, and uh, more thoughtful ways than I ever would. And so I look to it that way as a way for me to improve my vocabulary. So I stopped calling it a childish argument and offending people. Because just by saying that, I'm going to piss somebody off and they're never going <laughs> to want to have that conversation with me, right? Because I have, I have judged their way of, of, of thinking as opposed to his approach, which is very gracious and very understanding right. and admitting the flaws that Christianity has perpetrated by using the absolutism and the exclusivity of a monotheistic religion to oppress people. Uh, you know, minorities and women and slaves and people that were not white, essentially, because of the, you know, the conquests and, and all of just the, the litany of things that Christianity has done in the name of God that has been truly bad. And so I just, I appreciate his, his candor and his ability to speak clearly and graciously about these things. It's something that I am really trying to learn. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but I'm glad you're listening to it. I'll have to pick. Your yeah, brain it's about very it. good. <laughs> I'll have to pick your brain about it later. I have one chapter in the epilogue left. I'm I actually probably finish it now. I have to work on youth group stuff tonight. Oh, dilemmas, Dave. <laughs> All right. So he picks Job, and he picks right. Job for a reason, right? Right. No one has an excuse now. Nobody. Because at worst, what happened to you is exactly what happened to Job. At mm-hmm. worst. Most of us won't even sniff 95% of what happened to Job. Nope. So there's a reason he pulls Job, right? Mm-hmm. You all need to be patient. 
in your suffering and in your good times because Job was. And if he could do it, we have no, you know, no recourse for why we can't or shouldn't other than we're selfish. And he says, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And this is interesting to me too, because if I remember correctly, God pretty much offers up Job to Satan is like, here, go ahead, do your worst. Yeah. With like real life people on the line. And they mm-hmm. all die. And I that's never set well with me. No, I know. <laughs> like the flood, whatever, Sodom and Gomorrah, whatever, like all of these things. But this one has always bothered me. And I know that God doesn't have to reason this out to make me feel better about it. Like that's he can, he's going to do what he's going to do and he has his reasons mm-hmm. and he's perfect. But this one, like the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Then why did you kill or have his, allow his whole family to be murdered essentially? Right. But then you counteract that with, well, the Lord really is compassionate and merciful because he sent his own son to die on the cross for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm a sleazebag in the, the, morals, <laughs> the moral scale of things, right? Yeah. God at the top, me at the bottom. With, and so it, it, it really starts to hurt my brain when I think about God doing what he did with Jesus for us so that we could be made righteous and right and have a future with him so that we could be together yet also the God who essentially mortgaged Job's Job's family to make a point. (laughs) Yeah. And I know that I know they're the same God and I know that he's big enough to handle that, but I, I must admit it really. And again, like I said, the flood doesn't bother me, even though how many people died in that Mm -hmm. a whole bunch. Um, But for whatever reason, I think it's because God put Job up as a righteous man and Satan went and took everything from him. Like yeah. that to me is like, oh. like at least the other ones you could be like, okay, well, he did it because they were terrible, awful, horrible, you know, murdering, slanderous, you know, lustful, all, all of these things. It's like, man, Job, poor family. <laughs> yes. So all of that to say, I still wrestle with that very much. And it still bothers me. Well, and even on the other side of it, too, with the whole, you know, he was given all this stuff back. It's like, well, his whole family was still wiped out. Like, it would still be very, very Yeah, it wasn't like Like, they came back from the dead. Yeah. Which would have been even weirder, but like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's a very, very interesting story. Yep. And again, it was an excuse to not believe in God. (laughs) This is true. All right, last verse. It says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be your yes and your no be your no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Amen. Hallelujah. This should be a law. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, Dave, but I actually do know how you feel about lying. Um, I'm not a fan. Mm-mm. I don't like it. I don't like it when someone says they're going to do something and then doesn't do it. 
or says they're not going to do something and then does it. <laughs> it's very frustrating. It is, uh, I get very upset with myself when I do it. Oh, yeah. And I get very upset at other people when they do it. And I just, again, with James and how he writes, just so simple. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Say mm. what you mean and mean what you say. I've yep. heard it put. And <laughs> I can tell you when I say what I mean and I mean what I say, life is better. Maybe not easier, oh, but yeah, better. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes you have to be very careful, and this is where I can get into trouble, about how you say what you mean. <laughs> the words you choose, the tone that you have. That's also very important, right? But there is just, there is something, I don't know, refreshing comes to mind, but also freeing of just like, when I'm talking to someone and I know that they're telling me the truth, that they're not sugarcoating stuff, they're not beating around the bush, they're not blowing smoke up my skirt, whatever other mm -hmm. colloquialism we want to throw in there, right? If they are speaking honestly, it is just so much better. One, because if they're speaking honestly, then I don't have to worry about what they actually think. Like what, right. are, they, what, are, what, are, they, what are the thoughts behind the words? If they're speaking honestly and it's critical, then it's actually easier for me to hear than if they're passive aggressive or, you know, hemming and hawing about what they're just come out and say it. And then if they're, if they're speaking, you know, well of me or someone else or a situation, like it's just, it is so much better to interact with humans in a way where you can trust what I'm saying and I can trust what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It just, it's, it's clear communication. We can get on the same page. And if there's a disagreement, at least we know we're being honest about it and we don't have to worry about, you know, playing some game. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I just, it's all around better in my opinion. <laughs> and yet and it it's says so in very, the Bible. Yeah. And yet it's not the norm. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably. Yeah. Wow. What an interesting group of verses. I know. <laughs> like it it honestly like this last verse feels totally unrelated. Cuz it was all about patience and being steadfast and you know, doing the right thing essentially as you're waiting establishing your heart, not judging other people. And then also, above all of that stuff, and that's interesting, he says, but above all. So he spends four verses, seven, eight, nine, ten, oh, five verses, <laughs> I can count, <laughs> um, talking about patience and pulling the Job card. But above all of that, like if that wasn't enough for you to, you know, chew on and and try to, you know, change your life to, to reflect. You should also just speak truthfully all the mm -hmm. time, which I think is interesting. That it's more important for our yes to be our yes and our no to be our no 
than to have the patience of Job. Which like, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it is important. Yes. Feel a little vindicated now. And also a little convicted. A lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot convicted. A lot. Yeah, what an interesting little section. One of the, one of my favorite things, I think, real quick before we wrap up, about doing this show, and I don't mean to get like super meta about talking about the podcast on the podcast, but I think it's, I don't know if it's something that we've shared before, but like, I can read the passage ahead of time. I can think about it. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, if there's something particularly tricky or something particularly uh, interesting, you know, I can read in some commentaries and do some research ahead of time, right? But the amount of times I get to the end of an episode and I think to myself, never in, <laughs> you know, whatever, right. would I have thought we would have talked about this or that, or that I would be thinking this after talking about this with you for 38 minutes. Like, just the the process of engaging you in conversation and just having these sort of out loud thinking sessions with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's really, really interesting because I could have written you a list of the top 10 things I thought we were going to talk about and how <laughs> this episode was going to go. And I don't think I would have been wrong on all 10 of them. And yeah. I just, I'm grateful for this opportunity because I think in the taking the internal thoughts and speaking them out loud, you, you begin to realize well, okay, that's logically, you know, fallible or, oh, I didn't know I felt this or, um, and then hearing, hearing your perspective so frequently makes me like the amount of times you say stuff and I'm like, I never, <laughs> never crossed my mind ever. And it's just for you. It, it, this is what it sounds like. It, it's like for you, you're like, oh, well, well, duh. And I'm like, what? You know, and, and I just, I, I just appreciate that. And I hope that. Well, thank you. Um, the listeners have a similar experience, not because we're amazing and, you know, perfect and clearly not. Like I've explained multiple times on this episode, ways in which I'm, you know, flawed in, in, in learning, but just in the hearing other people discuss it, I hope that that is encouraging and thought provoking uh, to the listener because I know for us, I'm going to speak for you, it is having mm-hmm. this. And, and maybe if listening isn't doing that for you, go find someone else to talk to about this. Yeah. Yeah. Just community is important. It's very important. And I think, yeah, I mean, one of the things like about Dave and I is, you know, we tend, we tend to see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. But even in that, there is still so much that we think differently. Like we approach the same topic from very different ways of thinking from different experiences. And I I think that's oftentimes why I'm like, Oh gosh, I I mean, I agree with you, but I never could have put it that way or I never would have Mm -hmm. thought about it that way. Um, so yeah, if, if listening is doing that for you, uh, amazing. If it's not, sorry, but you should, (laughs) you should find somebody. Yeah. To talk to about this stuff. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It could totally be a podcast. And then you should let us know and I'll listen. But there's just, there's something 
about having an open dialogue. Like, we don't come here with an agenda. We're like, what are we talking about tonight? These verses? Okay. <laughs> we, we don't have like, oh, this is the point we have to drive home to, you know, our key demographic. Right. We don't even know who our key demographic is. I, I don't frankly care because that's not what it's about. But it's, I'm just, I'm rambling now. But the point is, I hope that you listening right now are able to find someone to have conversations like this with because it's, I certainly would not want to go on without a conversation like this with someone that I, that I trust implicitly with someone that I know is, uh, you know, not gonna judge me when I say something stupid, which I think happens pretty regularly on the show, (laughs) but just the, there's, there's something important about that. And I think it's a part of discipleship that, shoot, I don't know if I've really, you know, thought about this as a discipling relationship up until this point, but I think that's what it's been because it's it's literally iron sharpening iron, right? Me me and you were talking about Scripture in very, you know, uh, small detail in in taking time. Like we've been doing this for over five and a half years. As you're saying what you're saying, you know, I think about so often what our church experience is, and it's one, we expect the pastor to give us answers in terms of the sermon mm-hmm. and how we should believe and how we should think. And I, I would venture to say that a lot of pastors, if not vast majority, feel like they have to impart some wisdom, some answers, you know, this is the right way to think. This is the right, this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, maybe even gives the challenge, you know, I'm going to challenge you this week. This is the action you're supposed to take when you leave here. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I definitely think we should go to church and I think we should learn from people who, you know, have the ability to spend hours in their week preparing those sermons and those messages. But yeah, I think and I bet if you ask the average person to really think about it, they probably grow more in those kind of just conversations than they do from sitting and listening to somebody. Um, and especially if they're further along in their faith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, I guess my point to that being is, is I'm just echoing that we should all find that we should all seek that out and not just have, is, is that our challenge to the listeners? Dave? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode. And um, yeah, I hope you didn't hate it. <laughs> and if you did, well, we got 165 other ones that are probably somewhat like this as far as quality is concerned. So sure. let that land how it will. Anyways, um. This is episode 166 of the Masterclass, so that means you can find show notes in your podcast app of choice, or you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 166, where you'll find links to some of the things that we talked about. In the show notes, you'll also find um, links to, I believe, Dave's Twitter and my Instagram, not so you can follow us so we'll feel better about ourselves, but like if you just want to say hi or ask a question, or offer a correction. Those are really, really easy ways to do that. Um, they're certainly not there at all for you to follow us. Like, Do you even check your Twitter very much, Dave? No, not very yeah. often, but I do. So, 
But I do check it. It's we're we are not social media <laughs> gurus, ninjas, mavens, whatever. They're just it's it's an option if you want to get in contact. We also have email and a phone number if you'd rather use those options to get in contact. Um, if you leave a voice message on the phone, um, there's a good chance we can play it on the show to uh, either respond to your question or your criticism or uh, if you just want to offer a, a question. Um, I think I said question twice. I don't know. Anyways, that's that. <laughs> All the good stuff is in the show notes. You should check them out. Get in, uh, I don't know, contact with the show. That's not English, Dave. I'm, I'm done. It's... <laughs> It's only 8.23. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I feel like it's midnight. Anyways, uh, this has been a colossal uh, failure to end the podcast, as is, frankly, my norm. I still don't know how to end a show. So (laughs) I guess um, bye. We'll be back next time. (laughs) Bye.